Good morning. It's good to have you here today. If you would take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 this morning, that's where we'll begin. If you have not heard, if you're not on Facebook, didn't receive the calls, Pastor came through the surgery just fine. He's doing well at home uh, and resting. Um, however, they were not able to attach that third lead to his heart, which if you remember was the complicated part of the surgery. Um, but he is going back. He's going to have to meet with another surgeon and go back in for surgery uh, after this one heals. And so if you would keep him in your prayers, uh, it's good to have Miss Wagner's dad here with us. He's in town to help out. Uh, and so good to have you here, sir, uh, all the way from the sunny state of Florida. Is it still hot down there? It's hot all year down there, isn't it? <laughs> it is good to have you here. Pray for Miss Wagner and uh, her dad as they help to take care of him. Uh, I know they would appreciate your prayers. Uh, also pray for Patsy. I got to see her yesterday, and uh, I know for Maxine's going through a lot, and Patsy is going back to work starting tomorrow, and so that adds a whole other element there. So if you would, as you pray for Maxine, pray for Patsy and Virginia as well as they help to take care of her. Uh, and I know talking to her, there's several of you who are stepping up and helping, uh, and that's what I appreciate about Bible Baptist Church so much. You are a loving church, a helping church. Um, she talked about all the meals she's already gotten, and I know the Wagners as well. And so thank you so much for being a loving church and a serving church uh, and helping out for those in need. I'll be able to preach several times over these next couple of weeks. And so uh, I knew that God wanted me this morning to preach on faith. Uh, I knew that that's how God had directed me several weeks ago. Uh, but I struggled and I struggled and I struggled with Sunday night's message uh, all the way up until this week. And I said, God, I just don't know what you want me to preach. Uh, and so uh, we're going to preach through the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. I said, you know what, I'm just going to read the rest of the chapter as I prepare. Uh, and as I read it, God impressed on my heart to preach through a series uh, while I had the opportunity on faith. Uh, faith is important in our lives, is it not? Uh, it, it is the foundation we'll see today. Uh, and so I hope that this will be a blessing to you and encouragement to you uh, as we go through Hebrews chapter 11. I hope your Bible's turned there. We're just going to read through the first three verses this morning. The Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and for this opportunity to be in your house to open your word and to look at this important and vital topic in our Christian life, of faith. Lord, I pray that as we look these next several weeks at faith and what you desire from us and examples of faith, I pray that it would encourage us and, and Lord, challenge us to live lives that are faithful to you. Lord, we thank you and praise you for all these things and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want to bring you a sermon simply entitled, Faith Defined. What is faith? Well, we know that we are to have faith. Uh, we know that it's important, but what exactly is faith. And these first three verses of Hebrew describe what faith is and how it should challenge us and how it should affect us. So let's look at this simply. Faith is two different things. Look at verse number one with me. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance. What does that word substance mean? So many times we read words in the Bible, we don't exactly understand what they mean. Uh, in this particular passage, substance comes from the Greek word you go, Daniel, you know Greek, you're so smart. I can look it up in the dictionary just like you can, okay? Uh, hypostasis. I remember very little from my Greek years, uh, but this word is made up of two different parts, and it basically means a placing or a setting under 
uh, a substructure or a foundation. So let's read that with the word foundation in there. Now, faith is the foundation of things hoped for. It is the substructure. Uh, in Sunday school, back when we had Sunday school, before these great days of COVID, okay, uh, in our Sunday school class upstairs, we went through the, uh, the series, Build Below the Baseline, Developing the Part of Your Life That Only God Sees. And the very first lesson we taught in that was on faith. Uh, and can I tell you that faith is the foundation of everything? And I can't go into tonight's message, but listen, tonight uh, we talk about faith alone and how faith is important in our lives. But it is the foundation we see here. It is the foundation, the substance of things hoped for. But not only that, what's the second part of this verse? It says, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, so many times in our life, I believe that we think of faith as this abstract thing, a hope, uh, and it's not really something that's real and material, but can I tell you that there's evidence that proves that we can have faith, that there is evidence how God has worked in our lives in the past, how God has worked in other people's lives, uh, and, and there is evidence. So there's a foundation of things hoped for. That is what our faith is. Foundation is the foundation of things that we hope for, but it also is the evidence of things not seen. Have you ever had something happen in your life and there's no way to explain it except for God? Uh, and, and that's an amazing place to be. Uh, I tell you, Grace, and thank you so much for praying. He has been doing awesome. When we first got in the NICU, uh, he was on a ventilator. And they said he'll probably be on this for two weeks. Uh, he'll be on the ventilator because he won't be able to breathe on his own because he was born at 25 weeks old. His lungs hadn't developed yet uh, fully. Uh, and wouldn't you know, 24 hours later, we walk into the room and the ventilator's sitting off in the corner. And they said, well, we can't explain it. He's off the ventilator. I said, that never happens, 24 hours, and he was off. I said, well, that's amazing. They said, but just be ready. He's going to go back on the ventilator, okay? He's going to get tired. His belongs are going to get tired, and he's going to go back on. So we mentally prepared for that, okay, to walk in one day and to, for him to be on the ventilator, to get that phone call if we weren't in the room, and to go, hey, we had to put Grayson back on the ventilator. He stopped breathing. Uh, so they put him on a cool little CPAP thing. If you uh, have sleep apnea, you know what a CPAP is. He had a little mask. Uh, that he would wear that would help inflate his lungs, but he was breathing on his own. They said he'll be on this till at least 34 weeks. So I said, okay, 34 weeks, that's a long time from now. Uh, he was born at 25, so that's almost 10 weeks. That's two months from now. And so, well, two weeks ago now? Well, no, it was a long time ago. He was on this, off the CPAP. He's been off CPAP for three weeks, four weeks, almost a month, and he went on a nasal cannula. Oh, the doctor said, we don't know. He shouldn't be able to do this, but here he is. But just be ready. He's going to go back on the CPAP. Well, a week, and he'll be on uh, the nasal cannula oxygen until at least 34 weeks. Uh, so about a week and a half ago, Grayson decided, I don't like this nasal cannula up my nose giving me oxygen. So he ripped it out and said, I'm done with this thing. Uh, and so he's been on room air for a week and a half. And the doctors and nurses, every time uh, our primary nurse walks in, she goes, I can't believe how awesome Grayson is doing. Uh, and it's a neat experience for me to say, you know, it's nothing that I've done. They can't explain it. They haven't done anything special, okay? He's ahead of the curve. It's amazing for me to be able to say, well, he has a lot. He has a church family that loves him and is praying for him every single day. There's people all over the world. I've gotten messages from Chuk Micronesia uh, that in a remote village on a Bible study every Tuesday night, there's a group of people that are praying for Grayson. It's amazing all over the world. And I can say that that is God. It is evidence that my faith isn't placed in something that doesn't matter. That, that is evidence. Uh, and so talking to the nurses, we're hoping two more weeks and he'll be able to come home. His feeding is the only thing that's holding him back. 
Uh, but the one nurse said, we don't have 25 weekers to go home before their due date, uh, which would be October 24. Uh, but when I look at that, I go, she's speaking from a medical perspective, not from the perspective that we've seen the entire time he's been in the NICU, where they've said it's going to be at least his due date, uh, and then he does whatever he wants to do because of God. So faith is the foundation of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Can I see God healing grace? Now, I can see the physical things that happened to him, but I can't see what God has done in his body and how God has strengthened his lungs and how he's come so far, but I'm thankful for what he's done. Can I tell you that's evidence that there is a God that I can put my faith and trust in. And you can go back through your life, and you can tell situation after situation, I'm sure, if you stopped and thought about it, how God has been good to you and how God has blessed you. And he has over and over again. So we know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If we go to with, with me to verse number 2, the Bible says, For by it the elders obtained a good report. So we have to see what that word it means. What does it mean? Uh, it's referring back to, if you're an English, uh, English person, it refers back to the word faith. For by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Uh, as I read this verse, and I've read it over and over again, I, I just kind of glanced over it. Because, you know, verse number one is the important verse. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Uh, and then we just go down to verse number six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But I stopped and thought and dwelled on this verse as I was preparing for this morning. And, you know, it's amazing to me to look back over the elders, the people in the Bible who had faith and obtained a good report. Now, if you read down through, and we can't go into it this morning, so you're, we're going to go a different route. But Hebrews 11 is called the, the Hall of Faith, the Hall of Fame for people that were faithful, that had faith in God. Now, were they perfect people? No, you'll see that none of them were perfect people, Okay. Uh, they were sinners saved by grace, but they were faithful people. And so we're not going to go into those stories this morning, but I've decided, you know, I'm going to look back through some history, some of our Christian history, more recent than the Bible, and, and pick out some Christians that were faithful people that had faith. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was able to preach, uh, and we talked about Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. Uh, they were missionaries. They were missionaries to Ecuador, to the Indians of Ecuador in remote villages, uh, people that had never been reached with the gospel. He was a pilot, was able to fly things in there. Uh, and they were uh, uh, there with four other missionary couples, husbands, wives, kids. And so they set up camp outside of this one group of Indians that they wanted to reach. Uh, and Jim Elliott, he became a linguist. He was a linguist. He studied languages uh, when he was here in the United States. And he learned how to learn a language and then be able to write it down for them, and then be able to translate the Bible into that language. So he was working on translating the New Testament into their language. Uh, he was working with a, a person that was from the tribe and learned the language and was translating the New Testament. An amazing man of God, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. Um, but while he was working there, when he first made contact, actual contact with the tribe, he and the four men that he was with, were with were martyred. All of them were killed. And I think, me personally, this speaks more to the wives of those men than it does to the husbands themselves. Because after those people were martyred, after those men were martyred, their wives continued there and continued the work. And many, countless, were led to Christ in that tribe through the faithfulness of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot and the people that they worked with. Nate Saint. And, and so you can go down through those men. But can I tell you that it took faith? 
It took faith for a, a Jim and Elizabeth Elliot to leave everything that they knew, a country that they knew, a language that they knew, and take their family and, and move to a remote area uh, of Ecuador. It, it took faith for them to say, we're going to go and we're going to be supported by people here in the United States and trust them to give and trust God to protect us. And it took even more faith for Elizabeth and those wives to continue to stay in Ecuador after their husbands were killed and say, we're going to go reach those same people that killed our husbands and have faith that God's with us, and this is what God wants us to do. Amazing faith to me. Uh, to me, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot, they are heroes of the faith. Uh, they did great works. Were they perfect people? No, they were not perfect people. But this is a quote from Jim Elliot. It says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You know, in this earth, everything's going to burn up one day. Uh, and when we go to heaven, we can't take any of it with us. But how amazing to be able to build up those heavenly treasures. And that's what Jim Elliot realized, that you know what? Uh, it's not a foolish of me, and people probably thought him foolish when he upped and left everything that he had here in the, uh, his home. And when he moved to Ecuador, people probably called him foolish, but he realized that he was serving for a greater cause, and he had faith that God would be with him. Another person who's a great person of the faith, you probably know him, is Billy Sunday. Uh, he grew up as an orphan. Did you know that? I didn't realize that about Billy Sunday. He grew up as an orphan. So many times we like to use our past, our history, as reasons why we can't serve God. Well, I had this in my past, I had that in my past. But don't let your past define you. Let your faith in God and his changing work in your life define you. Uh, but he was an orphan, uh, and then he became a professional baseball player. You know more about him. He also started preaching in revival services, uh, and it's estimated that he conducted over 300 revivals with an estimated 100 million in attendance. 100 million people. Now listen, this was before the days of Facebook and, uh, and all that. He wasn't live streaming to the masses and saying, well, we had 100 million views on our Facebook video. Okay, it was before all that time. 100 million people in attendance. Uh, and some people estimate that there were upwards of one million people that were saved in his revival services. An amazing man of God, but can I tell you, it took faith. It took faith and trust that God was going to protect him even though he was fatherless here on this earth. It took faith to say, hey, I, I'm a professional. But how many professional athletes do you know would leave professional, <laughs> becoming a professional athlete, the millions of dollars, and go preach God's word to the masses? Not many people would do that, but he did. It took faith. Uh, another one, an uh, interesting story about Billy Sunday. Uh, our church in New York City that we were in was built in 1881, uh, and Billy Sunday preached revival services from the pulpit there. We had the original pulpit, uh, and so I can say I preached behind the pulpit that Billy Sunday preached at. Uh, and we'll look at another person in a minute that also was at that church. Uh, but Hudson Taylor, Hudson Taylor, another great man of faith, uh, he was a missionary to China. He started something called the China Inland Mission. If you read through his life, uh, I have the, a series of books about his life, a biography about him, uh, and he was under a mission board uh, that was more interested, instead of winning the Chinese to Christ and becoming part of their culture and speaking their language, they were more interested in winning the business people to Christ, spoke English already, instead of trying to reach the Chinese Christ. And so the Chinese people, coincidentally, didn't want anything to do with these missionaries that came over from a foreign country uh, because it was these white men who looked nothing like them, and many of them probably had not seen very many white men before. 
Uh, and they didn't care about the Chinese people, their culture, their customs. They came to win the rich, elite business people for Christ. And, and Hudson Taylor decided that that was an issue. And then all of a sudden, his mission board ran into issues where it could no longer support him. So instead of, you know, if, if it was me, I'd probably say, you know what, God, this is obviously a sign that I need to leave the mission field. I'm gone from here. But instead, he took and he started what's called, known as a China Inland Mission. And because of the China Inland Mission, uh, by the time he died, there were over 825 missionaries serving in every province of China, 300 mission stations, 500 local Chinese helpers, and over 25,000 new Chinese Christians. He did a great work for Christ. And can I tell you, if you go to China now and you talk to people who are Christians, they can probably trace their lineage of Christianity back to the work of Hudson Taylor. But it took faith. It took faith when he lost all support. It took faith when he was there and people called him crazy. It took faith to leave his profession as a doctor and go over to China. Yet he did it anyways. And here's a, a lady that is a great hero of the faith to me, and that is Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby wrote many hymns, uh, but she was blinded as a child due to a doctor's mistake. Doctor made a mistake, she had an infection, and she lost her eyesight because of it. It would have been very easy for Fanny Crosby to say, uh, to get angry at God, to get angry at the world, to get angry at that doctor, and to become a miserable person uh, who accomplished nothing in life. And we probably would have looked at her and said, she has every right to be upset at the world because her eyesight was taken before she even developed, before she was able to see and remember things. Yet she didn't let that stop her. Fanny Crosby went on to write 50, between 5,500 and 9,000 hymns, it's estimated. Amazing. She was a poet. She wrote poetry. She wrote hymns. Uh, Fanny Crosby played the piano at the church in New York that we were at for a while. Uh, and so I got to play on the piano that Fanny Crosby played on. It was terribly out of tune and broken, but it's still, I can say I did it, okay? It would not be able to be used for a service. Uh, but Fanny Crosby, an amazing person to me. You say, what kind of hymns did she write? Do we sing any here? How about the song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. And you think about the person that wrote these hymns blind person whose eyesight was taken as a child writing to God be the glory great thing it may, man if she can write that me as a perfect a perfectly healthy person who has my eyesight uh, who doesn't have uh, a ton of, of physical ailments how should I be saying to God be the glory things he has done just a great woman of God and, and these are some quotes from her that I found interesting it said, it seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life. And I thank him for the dispensation. How many of us could thank God for blindness? If perfect earthly sight were offered me tomorrow, I would not accept it. I might not have sung the hymns to the praise of God if I had been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things about me. What a perspective. What a, what a person of faith to be able to... That took faith. Can I tell you that took faith? For her to be able to say that, that God had a divine providence in it all. When things go wrong in our life, can I tell you that God's still in charge and he hasn't neglected you and he has a purpose for you. Another quote that I love from Fanny Crosby that I had heard before, it said, if I had a choice, I would still choose to remain blind. For when I die, the first face I will ever see will be the face of my blessed Savior. Stop and think about that. Her perspective was completely different. She didn't have earthly sight but she had heavenly sight. You know, as Christians, even though we have earthly sight and we can see people on this earth, we shouldn't be distracted by the things around us. 
but we should have that heavenly sight looking to heaven for Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And I tell you, faith is important. That's not supposed to play yet. That's my fault. I pushed the next button too soon. Uh, you know, faith is important in our life. And we look at these examples of faith, and we'll look through biblical characters. We'll start tonight looking at three biblical characters. Uh, we'll look at Abel, Enoch, and Noah. We'll look at those three men tonight in tonight's service. Uh, but this morning, I wanted to share with you some more modern people that had faith in God and allowed that faith to guide and direct their lives. And even when bad things happened to them, even when trials came, they remained faithful. For by it the elders obtained a good report. In verse number 3, it says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Have you ever read through Genesis 1 and thought just how amazing it is that a God could speak the world into existence? Let there be light. And there was light. God created the animals. God created human beings. And you think about the complexity uh, of nature, just the complexity of a human cell, and, and how if one thing was off in it, the whole cell would die. Yet God created and designed that. And so what does it say? Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Were, were any of you there at creation? None of us were there. It takes faith. And I tell you, evolutionists would tell you that it takes faith, and we're stupid for believing that, but can I tell you that it takes a lot more faith to believe that there was a big bang that came from nothing, and because of that explosion that came from nothing, some more something was created out of nothing, uh, and then that something that came from nothing all of a sudden started growing tails and started doing all kinds of crazy stuff and, and grew into what we know as human beings from an ape. That takes faith, in my opinion, to believe that, because they have no evidence either, okay? They can tell you there's evidence. They can try, but nobody was there when the big, when the big bang happened. And the world was created out of nothing. Uh, but can I tell you, to me, it's a much easier to believe that there is a sovereign God in heaven, a being who was and always has been and spoke the worlds into existence. To me, that just makes more sense than uh, things that weren't there exploding and creating the world that we know today. Uh, but to each their own. That, to me, makes sense. But can I tell you that the world shows Christ, that we can have faith in him. The worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen we're not made of things which do appear. I'm going to show you a video really quick. It's from um, Ken Ham's uh, association, Answers in Genesis. And I will tell you at the end, they paraphrase a verse. Okay, we're going to turn to that verse and read it. Uh, so don't lose me at the very end when that verse pops up and you go, I don't think that's the King James Version of it. They paraphrase the verse. We're going to read through the verse. Uh, but listen with me to this video. Organisms are similar in many striking ways. They're made of similar chemicals, run by a similar genetic code, and designed with similar cell structures, similar organs, and similar complex organ systems like skeletons and nervous systems. Why do we find so many similarities at so many levels? Many people believe these similarities arose because of common descent. 
but a biblical perspective suggests a different reason. The Bible tells us that God created all things in the beginning. If a common designer made everything to coexist in the same universe and follow the same natural laws, you'd expect to find many similarities among the things he created. After all, even human designers integrate similar parts in different things they design. Architects and engineers choose similar materials, write similar instructions, and incorporate similar components and systems in their buildings and machines. The similar integrated chemicals, codes, and systems found in living organisms give compelling evidence of a common designer, God. Creation is sprinkled with similar wonders of design that are clearly God's handiwork. Consider the spiral forms in galaxies, ferns, and snails, which suggest a designer who loves beauty in his designs. We also find complex integrated systems in different animals, which no one believes arose by common descent. Sleek designs for swimming in mammals, fish, and plesiosaurs. Marvelous designs for flying in mammals, birds, and pterosaurs, and elaborate horn-like designs in mammals, dinosaurs, and insects. Every corner of the universe, at every level of organization, the hand of God is clearly seen. The book of Romans, which is where that last verse was coming from. Verse num- chapter 1, verse number 20. Romans chapter 1, verse number 20. Actually, let's start in verse 19. The Bible says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without Excuse. Can I tell you that creation points to a creator, to a person who designed everything. And if we have a God who designed the human body, who designed all nature, who designed everything, don't you think that we can put our faith and trust in him? And that's what the Bible was clearly saying now. Uh, faith is the substance. It's the foundation of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. But can I tell you, we can look at creation all around us and see that we serve a God, a creator, who designed all of it. It's amazing how things work. It's amazing how the human body works. And while we understand it in medicine, I'm thankful for modern medicine and all that they can do, that they can do a heart surgery and install devices to help with hearts and that they can take a baby that's born at 25 weeks and help it along to help continue to grow as it would have in the womb. And how far we have come, there's so much more that we don't understand because that we don't understand because we are humans. And even doctors would tell you there are things that happen and they don't know why it happens. And they they are at a loss, but we serve a God who created it all and who we can put our faith in. So what is faith? I hope you understand more of what faith is this morning. It's substance, it's evidence. Uh, it's the substance of things hoped for, the foundation, the evidence of things not seen. We can look through history and see people, great Christians that we know of in modern history that were men and women of faith that lived godly lives and that God was there for every step of the way despite their difficulties. We can look throughout the Bible and we can look through Hebrews chapter 11 and we'll see in these coming weeks of great men of faith 
uh, that were there that God used and that they, while they didn't have easy lives always and they didn't have perfect lives, uh, they are people that God used. And so I hope this morning that you will live a life of faith. I will look this evening at that verse, verse number six, but without faith it is impossible to please God. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I pray that you would help us to live lives of faith. Lord, that we would realize that you are real, that you are the creator, that you are the God of the universe, and that a God that designed the whole entire universe, a God that's been there for, for men and the women in the Bible, a God who's been there for men and w- women uh, of modern times and has been with them, is worthy of our faith and trust. Not trust in and of ourselves, but a trust in and of a God who has been there every step of the way. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your faithfulness to us. May we always remain faithful to you.